We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Hammy, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Box 40, Sean Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, it is bright and sunny outside. You've got to be ecstatic. I was a little upset that I had to come in here away from that beautiful sunshine, which I absolutely need, by the way. I mean, let's be honest. And uh, yeah, it was a little 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 torn to come in here and sit inside and talk to you fellas i was actually trying to see if i could move my my uh podcasting equipment to the patio which is not very cool um but i just it's too much work and it's not worth it but there's a pool area out there too i thought about that but i just look like a creep how's it how's yeah, going with you guys a creep on a <laughs> podcast in a yeah. pool area uh it's good uh and of course Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast is joining us. Brendan, how are you? Doing well. A lot of cleaning today, so this is a nice break from that. Cleaning. Do, do I see that your bed is off the floor a little? Like, what is that? No, is that it's new? just it doesn't oh. have sheets on it right now because they're in the, oh. the wash. He's yeah. domesticated there. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's doing his, his thing <laughs> there. Uh, I actually have uh, some workers upstairs. We've had a bathroom that hasn't been done for like two and a half years. It's just been sitting there just with all of all of the new pieces sitting inside, still in boxes. And uh, it's because I don't like doing shower pans because if you leak, then they ruin your ceiling above and below and like drip down and ruin your floors. So I finally got someone over here to do that. So I have construction guys in here right now. And then I'll put the rest of the bathroom together. So that's that's my summer project. How about you yeah, guys? Just, just concerts and vacations. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, sweet. Okay. Uh, let's see. We're not doing a live show today. Uh, so uh, we still appreciate the thumbs up. And uh, 
and subscribe to uh, the YouTube channel here for the King's Beat. Uh, we're growing like crazy, especially once we hit that little button that says you have to actually like subscribe to make comments. Uh, that's been pretty substantial. Um, I, who knew? Like that's one of those things. Um, also, jump on board with the King's Beat. We are going to have a happy hour coming up. I'm thinking next Thursday, but I've got to figure it out. Like it's been a dipping and dodging and ducking and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, trying to get a, a big time guest is uh, often like herding cats. Uh, so we'll get a, a, a happy hour on the books here. And in order to get an invite to the happy hour, you have to, of course, be a premium subscriber to the King's Beat. So jump on board. Uh, we'll have content all summer long. Uh, let's get to the news of the week. Um, I think, I think we all earthquakes? assumed earthquakes, earthquakes, you know what? Like, okay. So first of all, we can't talk that's about like that. Their, yeah. That's wild. So I was sitting upstairs yesterday and my wife comes in to our bedroom door and she's like, looks at her phone. I look at my phone and says, Hey, earthquake happening now. Like my iPhone alerted me that an earthquake was happening. And I look, and I'm like, Oh, that's weird. She's like, are you getting this? And I'm like, yep. And then all of a sudden, Shake, 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 shake. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. I mean, it only lasted for like maybe a second, but I don't think it was even, I mean, it was nothing. But still, what are your thoughts on the earthquake? Have you guys so felt you, the earthquake? So you didn't feel it? No, I felt the earthquake. I did. Oh, you did? Like, okay. It, it shook the house. I was like, holy cow. Like, shake, 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 j just for like a second, though. Okay. I felt the first one. La the one last night, I, I, uh, in the middle of the night i didn't feel but i did have people text me uh who finally who, who did feel it and it woke them up and they were just checking in to see if i'd felt it because i was in a room with people that didn't feel it and i was the, the first one i was like hey i felt the earth there's an earthquake and literally our boy chris tavares stood up and gotten like a defensive stance and <laughs> trying to like feel it like surf the surf the wave a little bit he's like i don't feel anything uh so yeah but he that did makes feel perfect the second sense one. That of makes perfect sense. Yeah. I felt nothing. Didn't wouldn't have known it happened. I feel nothing. Yeah. You're just dead no inside. That it existed. <laughs> yeah. Where were you yesterday when that happened? Here. Oh, okay. What when was it? What time was it? Uh evening is what the, no, it was like four o'clock? Three o'clock, four o'clock. Three o'clock, something like that. And it was like three thirty yeah. in the morning or almost three in the morning, something like that. I don't know. I, I'll it be honest, driving, I, believe it or not. At three I've in the morning. Never Felt, oh no no my bad three afternoon mm. oh i've never felt a uh an earthquake before that was really? the first time i've ever felt an earthquake yeah Ooh. even like when we lived in berkeley I, I never once felt an earthquake but i'm a heavy sleeper um all right well we've meandered right. <laughs> through the podcast here uh like uh what's going on everybody uh the sacramento kings have not one but two representatives on the all NBA uh, third team. Um, I think the Sabonis selection was like a foregone conclusion, but I thought Fox was pretty like much a coin flip coming in. Uh, I, I thought once he was like 11th and MVP balloting, he had a good shot. Are you guys at all surprised that, that Fox is an all NBA player um, in his like tremendous breakout season? I wouldn't say I think the only thing I was surprised about uh, was the fact that Fox actually got a, a vote for first team. Like what what was that? <laughs> I didn't expect that one. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I thought that uh, I that 
I thought that he had a good chance. Um, New Domas would be a lock, and to see them being so close, especially when you know you think some voters might just give the Kings one person as opposed to two, um, it was very, it was good. it was a good thing to see because both were extremely deserving. Yeah, Celtics and Kings are the only two teams with multiple All NBA players this year. Um, as you said, I think it was pretty much a lock that Domas was going to make it and. As we got closer to us, it seemed more and more likely that De'Aaron was going to be that guy as well. So um, glad that he's got that recognition. I'm sure the clutch flat factors played a lot. Um, I agree with Sean. Him getting the one first team vote is pretty funny to me. But then, you know, there's also 33 second team votes. And actually, I think there would have been a decent difference for him if he made second team uh, compared to third just financially. But either way, glad that these guys are getting that recognition. Is there like, is there a difference though? So uh, according to Spotrack, if he makes third team, the $163 million salary on that five years goes to 169. And I'd assume it just starts this next season, that boost. If it would be second team, that would go from 169 all the way to 182. So 25% right now, right? 26% of the cap if he got third team, 28% if he got second team, and 30% if he got first team, according to Spotrack. But is that during the contract? I thought like it had to happen in the first year. Like, like I'm confused by that. Yeah, I I need to look into that more because I I was under the impression that his salary wouldn't be renegotiated like basically midstream. Like it wouldn't go up in value like midstream. So um, I I don't know if if Spotrack is saying that though. Like I, I trust that they're they're doing the the legwork, but I don't know. That seems strange. I thought it was. Like it's in the previous season to you signing your big contract extension. So the previous season to the year that your contract extension starts, which Fox's contract extension started last season. So I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm off. Um, but, but either way, um, yeah, it, it's, it's cool. Like I was surprised. Were you guys surprised that he finished above LeBron? Not really. I mean, I get what you're saying, um, but not, no, not really, not really. Brendan, mm, I don't know. I never thought of them as like competing for it, just because they're guards and forwards. Um, I was a little surprised by the amount of votes that Braun got, but not too surprised that De'Aaron was over him. I was okay. a little bit more surprised at the votes that John Morant didn't get. If I'm being honest, yeah, he got nothing, right? I mean, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> Yeah. 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 That was I mean, a little I, wild. I, yeah. I, I don't think, um, well, I, I think there's a lot that plays into that. Number one, oh, the, for sure. The off court stuff is, is crazy, but I also think that their handling of the other reported stuff is, is a big deal. So I also wonder how many people were already treating this season under next season's rules, uh, with the 60 game mark, uh, 60 yeah. game eligibility. Um, clearly like Steph Curry was, was in there and that would have been a, you know, somebody who barely, I think, I think he fell short of what the 60 game requirement would have been. Yeah. 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 It wasn't by much. And so I wonder how many people would have factored that in, but nevertheless, like, yeah, there was some pretty interesting voting, but I, I, I think it all played out the way overall, the way we were probably thinking it would. Yeah, the way it should. Yeah, 56 games for, for Curry. I think the Anthony Davis snub um, 
I thought that that was interesting because he's a dude who, if you want to say, well, he didn't play enough games, he played the exact same amount of games that uh, that Curry did. They both played 56 on the season. I also um, thought maybe Jokic and Giannis and Embiid would make it the Hall first team, but that didn't happen. And um, I think positioning obviously gets plays a, a huge factor, but seeing Jokic on the second team was a bit surprising, but I wouldn't have taken him out. I wouldn't have replaced him for Giannis or, or Embiid. I mean, they deserve to be first team. So, right. And it's what happened to Embiid last year. Right. Right. Kind of swap. Well, that in, I think moving forward though, aren't they removing the, um, the positions? I think so. so. It's just, yeah, it's just a top 15 players basically for second, third team. Um, and you got to play over 65 games. So that's, that's is a it lot. 65 or is it 60? 65? No, it's 65. Yeah, it's 65. Yeah. You can the only one, miss. Go ahead. The one other thing that surprised me was just Donovan Mitchell not making first team. Not huge, but just when it comes to team success and I think somewhat comparable seasons to Luca SGA, like there's just a vast difference in team success there. And I was a little surprised that that was the uh, backcourt guards. He He did get significant first team votes, though. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's wild that Shea has gone from like a dude who wasn't, you know, considered a bunch of as like a franchise type player. And then all of a sudden he's just taken off and he's getting all the recognition, even though his team realistically wasn't, you know, that competitive this season. But did they make the plan? Were they right there? Yeah, yeah. they made the plan, but um, but just barely. And, you know, so I, I think it's interesting that he's already considered a first team all nba player even though his team isn't very good um, and they they also what dame was third team with uh with mm -hmm. sabonis and fox so it's not like they penalized dame for having like a, a horrible team success here so i don't know i, I think it's interesting um i, I did not expect I, I was kind of on the bubble with fox i thought that there was a chance um, but I also thought it was more of like a 50-50 coin flip. And that's not because I don't think he deserves it. It's just that it's really hard to gain all this recognition in one season and to go from someone who's not an all-star to barely makes it as an injury replacement to third-team All-NBA, which basically signifies that the league considers you a top 15 player in the league. That's pretty wild to me. So... Um, Outside of that, was there uh, was there anything like with Sabonis, like he's gonna get he gets his added bonus money, and that that actually might help the Kings. It eats into their cap space a little bit, but again, if they want to do some sort of trickery when it comes to uh, like giving him a, giving him a raise and an extension, um, he now makes more money than he did before. Um, I don't think that they'll still be able to get him locked up to an extension, but at least there's that he he basically got both of his, um, he had two accelerators in his contract. Yeah. 1.3, 1.3. He earned the first for making the all-star team, the second for making all NBA team. And now those become expected bonuses next season. Uh, so his salary jumped from 19.4 million to like at, right at 22 million for next season, which isn't that big of a deal. Um, outside of that, uh, I think the other big news of the week is Mike Brown is in Europe, uh, watching Sasha Vizenkov. Um, Brendan, have you watched any of his, of this footage? 
I have. I've been kind of getting caught up. I have not gotten to Game 5 that Coach Brown was at, but uh, kind of been watching some of his, the rest of his playoff series. And, yeah, I mean, the league's the leads the league in points per game throughout the course of the regular season. Ridiculously efficient, efficient shooter, you know, right around 40% on about five threes a game. And he uses that shooting threat really well to get other baskets, you know, backdoor cuts. Like, you can anybody that's able to tune in you can see very clearly how it would translate to sacramento's offense like there's a lot of nba looking actions in there and i think the other thing that was kind of a good reminder from last time i saw him at Eurobasket was just how well he pushes the pace which is a big emphasis for sacramento but he's constantly running he doesn't look like he's running fast because he's in my mind it looks like he has uh, short steps but he's getting them in and he is definitely moving up and down the floor at a, at a good pace it's it's funny to watch him and and kind of think about where he fits in and and what he can add in terms of their need. I mean, obviously the shooting is there, so you can check that box. But I'm looking more of like the toughness, durability, physicality. Does he foul a lot? And and watching it's like he seems like a very gritty player. Um, and and you have to be to play in that league. It's it's different than the NBA and, um you know, obviously a very team concept uh, oriented guy. So uh, kind of has a flair for the dramatic. He, he certainly lives for the moment. Uh, there's some throughout the, throughout the course of um, not only the season, but really the, the playoff run. I mean, they've had some pretty clutch moments in there and uh, whether he's making, you know, setting people up or hitting a big shot. Um, there's some, there's some stuff to like defensively, you know, there's always, you know, always wonder how it translates to the NBA, but uh, certainly you can see why they like him. And uh, he's got the accolades and the accomplishments and um, be, be kind of fun to see how he'd fit in. Yeah, I think we're going to get to see that. I mean, I don't think anything is for sure, but like between your reporting and reporting overseas and like conversations I've had around the team, like they, they're putting the full court press on him to, to come over. And I think his buyout in Europe is 1.5 million of that. The Kings can give him a million and then he'll have to pay for the remainder of the money himself. Um, but if you jump from his salary, isn't that high. I think he makes like, like two, two and a half million this year. If, if uh, you're giving a starting salary around 4 million at the, the biannual exception, then, you know, like coming up with $500,000 to pay that stuff off. Isn't that big of a deal? Um, I, I don't know. Like you're convinced still Sean that he's coming over, right? Yeah. I mean, based off what I'm, told and throughout the season and priorities uh yeah it's definitely uh the interest is i mean look it's 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 it won't be for the kings deciding it's all up to him whether or not he comes over yeah. and uh the to, from my understanding there's definitely interest between both sides and it would be something that is uh, really all but done you know you just have to kind of get through the playoffs and you know form get negotiations might be a visit and uh you know, I think it's a it's a good sign uh, that Matina Kolokotronis is over there. Um, it, she's somebody who, if you go back in her, she's obviously the COO of the company, but of the organization. But if you go back in her um, uh, lineage with the with the with the organization, she first came on the radar with the Kings. She helped bring Peja over from his uh, um, deal um, after they had his draft rights for several years, and he hadn't come over quite yet she helped negotiate that so yep um she did that with a lot of you know, hito turkaloo is another one and um 
she's got her expertise in, in doing that kind of stuff. So having her over there, I think, is a um, is a positive sign in, in getting Sasha in a King's uniform next season. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to live in her guest house, if Sasha's going to live in the <laughs> <Maybe>. guest house. <laughs> That's what Peja and Hito did when they were young players. Um, yeah, I think he's interesting. Like, again, I, I get that the Kings, like, really like him. Um, I get that, like, basically you're getting what you think is a rotational player for a mid-second round pick last year, which is solid. You know, that's a that's really good value for what you're getting. And he's 27. Uh, you know, there's some room to grow. I don't think he's going to be, like, a huge upside guy just because he's um, he's been a professional for years and years. And like, he's just now the last two years, three years really started to take off as a player, which shows you that, you know, there's possibility of late growth, but at the same time, like we know basically what he does. He's a super, super quick release player. Like he, he likes to just like turn and fire, which is, he doesn't need to put the ball on the floor. He just like his release is quick. It's repeatable. It's uh, like, he's a knockdown three point shooter and he's got range too. Like I've seen him shoot like the 28 footers without any, without any problem. Um, where do you guys see like as a rebounder, he doesn't look all that great to me, like at the NBA level, at the European level, he's averaging around eight a game. I'd be surprised if he was more like around the five rebound a game guy at, uh, at the NBA level. Um, but like, are there other intangibles that you see from him that you guys think will translate well? I don't think the rebounding stands out as anything amazing. I, I think that's a big TBD for me with an adjustment to NBA just size and length. Kind of have to see how that translates. But I, I do think moving up and down the floor, like I mentioned, is is really big spacing and, and just decision making. I don't think that he's somebody you're putting the ball in his hands and asking him to initiate the offense, but just kind of like making the right next read and keeping the flow of the offense going. I, I think that he's he's solid in that aspect and leading the league in scoring while not like, you know, dribbling the air out of the ball, kind of all doing it within the flow of the offense, I think is a, is a good sign. Yeah. I don't really have much more to add to that. I think the IQ is something that is going to be needed again with this team. Um, I, I think competitive nature and spirit that, that, that all goes a long way. Um, rebounding is obviously, it's funny because in watching him, like I mentioned a minute ago, it's like, I'm, I'm watching all these things that you hope that the, that he can address because the Kings have obvious needs. And there's some of those moments where you, I'm probably not convinced that he's that type of player, but certainly um, to Brennan's point, uh, I keep the ball rolling, keep the competitive spirit, keep the shooting going. Um, don't disrupt. He, he, he's, he's moving all the time, which is a good, which is a good sign. He's not somebody that's going to, I mean, if he could fit into that high paced offense and hearing Mike Brown talk about him uh, certainly feels that there's a lot of um, uh, a lot that he can add to his team. Um, and that was the first time we'd really been able to hear Mike Brown kind of open up and talk about what his, what he sees in, in, in Sasha and, and, how he could fit in, but it's hard not to look at him knowing what the Kings just went through and go, okay, where, where would he have helped in that playoff series? <laughs> well, I mean, when Kevin Herter and, and Harrison right. Barton stopped hitting their three point shots, maybe he does help there. And like, look at when I look at him, I'm not like blown away by any stretch of the imagination, but like, can he be like an Anthony Tolliver type? Can he be a... Well, he better uh, be better than that. 
Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm not sure. Like as far as for the Kings, like when the Kings got Tolliver, but there was a point where Tolliver was an an impactful like stretch four. Can he be like a Maxi Kleiba type guy? Like I, I don't know. Like I'm not gonna sit here and and think that he's gonna be like the equivalent of giving. I mean, getting a top 10 pick in this draft or anything like this is a solid NBA player that should be able to fit into a role. And, and like, I don't think people should be thinking that this is like the savior guy, but I guess the, the bigger question is like roster construction. If you do have Sasha and you do have uh, a guy like Keegan Murray, um, where do you go from there? Like, how do you still fill out the roster with players that, fit the the biggest needs that you have which are like length and athleticism at the three and the four because he doesn't really fit that what he gives you is another shooter and you know another solid rotational piece but how do you fill these positions and does sasha's inclusion mean the end of some someone like trey lyles or harrison barnes well, you basically have six free agents that don't have restrictions. You know, no, no, no uh, team option or restricted free agency, as is the case with like Namias Keda and Keon Ellis. So, um, Monty McNair builds his roster, and then it's going to be up to Mike Brown to figure out a rotation. So, um, I, I think you're still going to bet on the talent, but that doesn't preclude you from going after somebody like Trey Lyles or even Harrison Barnes to a degree. I, I, in in my opinion, I don't think you can have all of them. And I think you already have to have decisions made. Um, but I also think you have decisions made based on where the market says you are, you know, for example, the, what is it, James, $27.5 million cap hold on Harrison Barnes. Yep. Um, if, if, if he's commanding that type of dough, um, no, right? Like it's not you're not looking at paying twenty million dollars a year for for Harrison Barnes. Um, but going forward, if that money is more like an eleven twelve, that's something more manageable. Um, so there are decisions that that you will be made, but ultimately it's gonna be the job of Monty McNair to construct the roster and Mike Brown to figure out the rotation. I yeah, I mean, Sasha doesn't help you defensively at all. Like, I think that's a huge question mark for him, even to the point where he, he could be a really bad defender. Like, I, I think that he's going to be pa passable. It doesn't, but I, I think he's going to be tested a lot more in that than he is in the Euro League. You know, NBA, there's going to be teams that say, okay, give me that guy switched on to me and just see what I can do. And he's got to be able to survive that. And I think that's still a big question mark. And, and you kind of say the same thing about Trey Lyles, right? I, I think that Trey has proven to be passable on defense, but if you want to improve defensively, like where is it coming from? Um, I, I think there's room for both Sasha and Trey. If, you know, you want to, feel okay about moving Keegan Murray between the three and the four, or if you're okay with Trey Lyles getting some of the backup five minutes. Um, but if you bring Sasha over, I, I do think that makes Trey a lot more of a question mark. And who's your starter is the main off season question, right? Is who's the other starting forward. If, if it's not HB brought back, is it a sign in trade? Um, and, and I don't think that Sasha is solving your, who's the starter alongside Keegan question. I totally agree. I, I totally agree with that statement right there. I have a tough time believing that you got better defensively at all if you you try to move Keegan to the three and move Sasha Vizenkov into the four alongside Sabonis. I just don't see that there's a way. I mean, like, and if you break down the rest of the starters, like with Herder and with Fox, um, 
that's like a really, really slow, uh, like defensive team, in my opinion. Uh, that's like, that's not a lot of athleticism outside of Fox. It's not a lot of length. It's not a lot of anything. Um, you know, maybe physicality, but still that, that would be pretty rough. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And like what you guys said, like Mike Brown has to deal with what, what he gets dropped off and like, it's like he gets a, a basket of, of, of fruit, like, all right, here's your delivery for the week. Like, you go ahead and try to make something special out of this. Um, but I, I, think he, I mean, he'll have he has a voice in the room, which is which is yeah. key. And I think they've already factored in, um, you know, the positives and negatives of Sasha. But I, I think you're right to point out that if anyone's thinking and watching um, YouTube highlights of this guy and saying, oh, this guy could be Luka Doncic. No. Like he's not no. a generational talent. He's not anybody. He's he would definitely fill a role on the team. And then again, you have a huge question mark as to what it looks like in his first NBA season. So team concepts, you know, for a guy who may not be a strong defender, uh, is he a willing defender? It's kind of like a Terrence Davis where he's Terrence Davis kind of gets it's weird because you don't see this too often, but team team defense is a little bit different than when he's on ball defense. Well, maybe the opposite can be true for somebody like Sasha Vezhenkov, who has a maybe more of a team defensive concept as opposed to being a weak uh, on ball defender. So um, there's, you know, there's certainly decisions and factors that will go into it. But ultimately, I think they look at this kid as saying this. Well, and he's younger. You can't even call him a kid. He's like, what, 27, 28 years old. Um, yeah. yeah, this is this somebody who's going to, you know, why, you know, kind of give them a little bit of grown man in, in their, in their roster, which is probably needed at this point, uh, some maturity for sure. So, uh, yeah, I think they, they factor all that in there and realize that he's a very talented player that could really add some, some quality depth to, uh, to a roster that sorely needs it. People yeah. hear the Euro league MVP candidate and go to Luca. Uh, but I, I think the more like accurate comps of, you know, if you want to stick with the Euro league MVP or like a Nemanja Bielitsa or like Nikola Miritich, type of guy yeah. yeah yeah and i mean miritich came over and was a really good scorer and a really good rebounder like he put he put up stats and the kings have been tied to him i've heard like if, if things had fallen through with uh with sasha that miritich there would actually have been some sort of conversation of potential conversations um with miritich um but i don't think he fits again you're not getting the right mixture. I, I think like when I look at him too, you bring up Bielitsa. I'd even say there's a little bit of like Bogdan Bogdanovich, but like the power forward version. I was going to say know? there's some dribble penetration to him that Belly just doesn't have. Um, there's yeah. some, he puts the ball on the deck. I, I, I think his handle is pretty decent. I, I'll be interested to see how that trans, how that uh, carries over to the NBA. Um, does it translate? Because he looks to have some drive and kick potential. Yeah, and I think the the question that we we all have is that if you bring over Sasha and you do retain uh, guys like Trey Lyles and Harrison Barnes, and all of a sudden you're looking at your four forwards and it's Trey Lyles, Sasha Vizenkov, uh, Keegan Murray, and Harrison Barnes, like who's going to play defense? Who's going to block shots? Who's going to protect Domas? Who's going to give you that athleticism that you need? And the answer is none of the above. So like, how are you going to go out and fill that need and still get these guys minutes? Unless like Brendan said, you're stealing minutes from the five for Trey Lyles. I could see a way where Trey Lyles plays a bunch of small ball five with a guy like Sasha 
next to him. And with, as long as you had a very athletic, long three that could play alongside these guys as well. So I don't think all four will be there when, when training camp opens, but that's just my own personal, um, like, I don't know that for sure, but just like looking at the way that they need to improve this roster, the one way to improve this roster is to like find a better option at the three slash four. Right. And, and, and prefer, preferably one that can rebound <laughs> very yeah, well. Rebound, run the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So one last question I have for you guys on Sasha, what do you think it takes financially? Like, is it the, is it the biannual to bring him over? Are you happen to use that 4.5 million about? See, that's the other problem because he's having a really good season. I think the, the thing with Bogdanovich, when he came over and got the three year 27, Bogey was only 24. So you're getting a younger player. I don't know that you want to pay Sasha the like eight to nine million dollar range. And maybe I'm crazy there because you're going to have to use your MLE to do that. You, you can't use, or you're going to have to use just pure cap space, which would mean that you'd have to waive Harrison Barnes in order to do it. Um, I think there's got to be a way to get him over here on that biannual exception. That would be the hope that you're, you're getting him for like a, a two year nine or a, you know, nine ish, 10 right around there, or like a three year, $14 million deal. That would make more sense. Um, but like there, I have no idea, like, to be honest with you, what it's going to take. Like, it just depends. He, he wanted the biannual exception last year and the Kings didn't give it to him. They had carved out a $1.6 million, like little cap space out of the MLE that they gave to Malik Monk. And they had hoped to use that to get him in on like a three-year deal, four-year deal. And that didn't work out. So he wants more money than, than the 1.5 to $2 million that the Kings were offering before. And it'll be well, interesting. He should. <laughs> well, yeah, but he was making 750,000 bucks last year, something like that. Right. So when he turned down that money, it was still like, wow, that's a million dollar raise to go to the NBA. Uh, and then he's had a great season. Like he's, he's absolutely been spectacular. Do you, you guys, uh, like if you've watched their games, is it intriguing to you that uh, two of uh, Monty McNair's former guys are on his team in Tariq Black and Isaiah Cannon? Cannon. I did not connect that as former guys. No, I didn't either. Guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? So like it's not like Monty, Monty's getting – like that's a deep, deep scout right there. Like you, you're going to know much more about him than, you know – than you would a normal player. Cause I'm sure that those guys still have a relationship with money. I do enjoy watching your league for the random players that pop up that you just did not expect at all. Like, yeah, like, like Mike James is going to play in the next series. I think it's AS Monaco. I think is who he's against, which also has Chima Monecki on Chima the team. Monecki. Yeah. Um, Mike James has made a hell of a career, hell of a career overseas. Yes. I mean, he's a superstar. Yeah. I mean, it, it is crazy to see guys that disappear and then you're like, oh man, I remember scouting him when doing draft coverage. So, and then there they are. You're like, hey, good for them. They're still playing. I mean, I, I think it's pretty crazy. Like DeMarcus is playing in Puerto Rico. Um, and so is uh, Hassan Whiteside, right? There's Hassan mm -hmm. Whiteside and, and one other, I think is playing over there. Um, no, there's a yeah. few. Yeah, there's a few. I can't remember offhand, but Hassan Whiteside, if you follow him on Snapchat, which I... <laughs> embarrassed that i still have snapchat but 
uh, it, he's he's mainly the reason for it because he has some pretty entertaining stories and he's on this like deck of this beautiful property in Puerto Rico and off in the distance he zooms in on this whale uh, that's just out there and he's just yelling hello whale or something like that like he's talking to this whale from like this balcony but then right there on his porch in this like planner is also like an iguana <laughs> so it's just it was and then he zooms in on the iguana I don't know Hassan Whiteside is a v- endless entertainment for me so unique a unique, unique personality yeah. we'll just leave it at that the the <laughs> stories we have the Hassan Whiteside stories are never ending um let's get to uh, the king's hill to work out this week um I, I fear that they're doing the same thing they did last season uh which is block the media out of their workouts uh, which became a point of contention with us last year um at this point we're like okay whatever we're you know trying to recover from a long season and sean's still doing warriors coverage uh the highlighter of this one i don't know who else was in this um but uh oscar Shibwe. Uh, which I, I had, again, like I haven't shifted over and started doing all my draft coverage like I normally do for two reasons. Number one, this season lasted too long or lasted way longer than normal. And number two, the Kings have the 24th pick in the draft as well as pick number 38 and pick number 54 in the second round. Um, but the Kings don't have a top 10 pick, so I'm not doing like mountains of mock draft work uh, when I'm not even sure if they're going to keep this this pick. Uh, Shibwe is interesting. Uh, he's like a wooden award winner, Naismith guy, uh, six, nine, two sixty seven, four wingspan, um, gigantic, uh, you know, big, strong dude, 16.5 points, 13.7 rebounds last year at Kentucky, but, uh, not the super athlete, not the shot blocker that you would expect the Kings be to be looking at. And a guy who's projected to go in the late second round, maybe even not get drafted. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on, on Shibuya? Not really. Um, especially considering the workouts before the combine. I usually don't pay much attention to those type of things. But uh, especially if, you know, it's nice to, if there's somebody you identify for sure, um, get some conversations with them. You had the opportunity to do it. So good for them. Uh, combine right around the corner. And uh, you'll that's where a lot of times teams will start to have face to face discussions and and kind of plot out um, workout schedules. Yeah, hopefully um, I'm not too concerned if the media has if the, if they haven't opened up for a workout before uh, the combine. Hopefully they do it afterwards. I don't care if it's a top pick or you know you have maybe only second rounders. It's uh, I think it's necessary. It's it's a it's a good look for your organization. It's good to hear from some of these people who come in and experience your organization. And, uh, um, I, I, you know, I, I just, I don't see the, the, the reason why they wouldn't. So hopefully they will. And, uh, but yeah, my attention hasn't gone that way yet. It typically doesn't happen until after the combine for me, but, uh, certainly he's a big, he's a big body rim protector and, uh, could rebound. Obviously those are things that, <laughs> that would be attractive to the Kings at this point. Yeah, no uh, big thoughts on Shibway for me. I think I got that name right. Um, Shibway. He's yep. just a he's a big body. I, I think of almost like a 
Nick Richards ish, like even though not quite, I'm just a guy that's going to be a late pick. This is something I think that if anywhere it's pick 54 or undrafted that you'd be talking about from what Sacramento's working with. And, you know, Alex Len and Chemezi Metu are free agents. You, I'd imagine you're going to try to shop Rashawn Holmes. Nemeas Kata, I'm, I'd expect him to be back, but is a restricted free agent. Like we know that you need center depth on this team. So. I uh, get why they'd be poking around, but doesn't say all too much or yeah, it doesn't reveal anything in my mind. Yeah. He's uh, I'd say he's more like um, Yudoka. What is it? Um, Azubuki. Azubuki for uh, that plays for the jazz. He's like that kind of big man, just like a gigantic, right. big, strong dude. That's not going to get pushed around, but also isn't going to go up and, uh, like he'll probably struggle a little bit to dominate the glass like he did at the college level just because he he doesn't have like elite elite athleticism um so anyway I, I think it's it's telling that the kings are are starting the draft process uh the combine is may 16th to may 18th in um in chicago uh so yeah. the kings will be there in force i'm sure that they'll have all kinds of people they'll have interviews with all kinds of players um, they're not going to be limited because like a lot of times when you're way up high in the draft, you don't interview nearly as many people as maybe you should. Um, so this is a good way for the the Kings to sort of kick the tires on guys and get to know them a little bit, just in case down the road, you cross paths. Combine is um, also a good opportunity for <laughs> organizations to meet with other organizations as well. Yeah. Um, it's a big meeting, uh, you know, kind of gathering area for organizations um, who, whether they're still in the playoff hunt or not um, at this time next week, they'll be having the Western conference finals. So, um, but I, it, it, or excuse me, the conference finals in both the East and the West, but it, it's just a way for uh, it's not just, it's not just those, those picks. It, it's a meeting point for agents and G league representation and all the organizations in the, in the league and very much like summer league in that regard, only uh, one center place uh, as opposed to, um, several different summer leagues from throughout the well now all the nba goes it, it ascends upon um vegas so that's definitely a meeting place for them but uh, they get a lot of business taken care of so it's first in many steps for the off season yeah this is opening a trade season that's what like people don't know like this is when a lot of deals start to like form um at at the at the combine um and then you'll see like movement as far as like draft pick movement all that stuff um the king's 24 uh like we talked about 24 38 54 what do you think the chances are of them drafting any one two three like do you think that they're gonna be active here because you do have some roster spots that are open um and i do think that like you could use the 38th pick or the 54 pick and find a player that you might want on, on a two-way contract, uh, especially with both Namias Keda and Keon Ellis no longer under two-way contracts, and probably either looking at, you know, maybe Ellis gets another two-way, but for a guy like Namias, it's either, I would say, uh, main roster or bust at this point. Right. I think they'll they'll look at shopping for sure, especially if it's a way to, you know, possibly move a move something that's more undesirable at the moment from a contractual standpoint like Rashawn Holmes who they haven't been able to necessarily find a place for um but at the same time I you know it's it, they'll be aggressive but they'll be fully prepared to to draft all three if necessary um 
wouldn't necessarily totally bet on it, uh, but it does give you a uh, a pick for this season that in a, it, what's very much heralded as a very deep draft, even in the 20s. So um, there's talent to be had, and they'll be looking. Yeah, I mean, I'd expect the the same, that they try and shop it. I'd be surprised if they end up making every single one of these picks, um, but also could see it happening. Like I, I think that 24 could have decent value around the league, but you also can find good players at, at that spot. And I, I think that it's already a young team that you're working with. And if you can add to that youth, somebody that has a little bit of an upside, maybe that you, you can find intriguing guys at 24, even if you don't go the upside route, if you go more of a safer kind of just plug and play, I, I think that you see, different teams find rotational players that can have a value at 24. I think there's a good amount of wings, like three fours that you can find in that sort of range. Um, I, I'm not deep in my uh, draft dives yet to gives you the most specific names with uh, that much confidence, but we'll be there soon. I, I think that um, you definitely prepare for both and yeah, I mean, see what happens. Yeah, so I'm looking at number 24 in a slightly different way. I, I mean, sure, they may use the pick. Like, that's always a possibility, right? And they can't trade the pick before the draft. They they can draft someone for another team, but they can't trade it before the draft because of the Stepien rule because they, they as of right now, their 2024 pick is tied up in the Kevin Herter trade uh, from last year. So you don't have, like, a huge amount of flexibility that you can do except for you can move up or move back in the same draft as long as you stay in the first round. Uh, so they could like do something like where they package their two seconds to move up to like 17 from, from 24 to 17, something like that might work. Um, but it's also possible that, that they won't, that they'll make a move with this pick. So I kind of look at the value of the 24 pick. If we go back a couple of years ago when the Kings had Marco Bellinelli, they signed him to like a three year, uh, was a three or $18 million contract. He had after his first disastrous year in Sacramento was like, okay, let's see if we can part ways with him. And the Kings were able to get the 22nd pick in the draft for, for a guy who a can shoot and be like, had like a role on playoff teams in the past. So uh, they were able to go, go out and get a, a pick. They blew that pick with Malachi Richardson, but I still think that that's kind of what the Kings could do with this pick as well. They could look at a player around that range of, you know, like, so a rotational player, but more like a eight or nine man uh, guy in your rotation that you could possibly wheel and deal that pick for. Um, or like what Sean said, the Rashawn Holmes situation. If you need to clarify the Rashawn Holmes situation or find him a new home and it costs you a second round pick or it costs you two second round picks or it costs you, the 24th pick in the draft, you might consider it because it is 25 million over the next two years. Uh, so I could see the Kings like looking for a player around, uh, you know, around Rashawn Holmes value uh, or, or around his price tag, but giving up the 24th pick and Rashawn to take back another player around that range. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> We're not very lively today. We're not very lively today. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's his candle what's can what candle you got today 
I don't have one right now. You know, I did want to tell you bad. though, since you got hmm. me on a slight oh, tangent, is that there's these electric lighters I've realized that I need to get because I can't reach into this with a normal lighter right now. Well, that one's almost kaput, isn't it? That's why yeah. you want oh, yeah, it definitely long is. things. Yeah. yeah. But if you get an electric lighter, you will never have to buy another lighter. You know, uh, one time my son bought something on, on Amazon and he got it home. Uh, well, it got shipped to us and it's like, open it up and it's like, what is this? And he's like, well, I don't know. I thought it looked cool. And my wife like wasn't paying attention when he bought it on Amazon for like 10 bucks. And it was a lighter. I'm like, okay, bro, you're not having a lighter. But it had like a little like spark thing in the middle. Like, and you could hook it up to a USB drive and charge it. So it wasn't actually, it didn't have fluid yeah, it's an in electric it. lighter. An electric lighter. There it is. You don't have one of these? No. <laughs> Damn, you said that ready. I did. Well, it's right here what by my these? candle. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's take this question on really quick before uh, we we get to the business. about. Well, maybe we'll just do this. Uh, the business of there basketball. All right. uh, will Rashawn Holmes be on this team next year? You're asking all these questions, James. I know you have to come prepared, but what can we do here in May May 12th? I mean, I my was goodness. prepared. Well, I mean, the draft is is only four weeks away. Like it's one of the opportunities to trade him. I was I was actually thinking about this, just kicking around some conversations with the, um, I guess I'll call him a media member uh, that's covering the Warriors series, and they're just like, <laughs> I guess I'll call him a media. Yeah. <laughs> She's just <laughs> sick burned by Sean on something. It is. That's a bit disrespectful. Well, I mean, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think this person would consider themselves media members either, but I'll leave their names out for the, just, just protect the innocent, I guess. But uh, somebody who, you know, there's, there was, he's actually probably the same. I've had somebody ask me, they're like, they're like, can it just not work with Rashawn Holmes? Is there any world that exists that, that he can actually still play for in a King's uniform under Mike Brown? And uh, it had me had me really thinking about that. I didn't like necessarily bounce it off anybody, um, but I just I just don't see it personally. But I, it is kind of a wonder that people might be uh, kind of considering that, um, kind of kind of wondering about that. And I, I think uh, I had to remind people it's like you know rebounding isn't necessarily great there, so he's not really addressing the need. The the way they place a bonus with a dribble handoff is. Uh, that type of style doesn't really isn't conducive for his fit. So even if Sabonis is off the floor, they continue to try to run the same type of offense. So again, where does he fit in? So no, my answer would be no. And uh, I think most Kings fans understand that. I was surprised why some certain people who were able to cover the league that uh, maybe they just don't watch a lot of Kings basketball. Uh, or they just remember Rashawn with the numbers, um, you know, just has to find the style that, that fits, fits for him. Yeah. I think Rashawn needs to be on like a pick and roll heavy team, which is right. just not what Sacramento is. It's, it's just, it's neither ones. Like it's not a shortcoming for coach Brown. It's not a shortcoming for Rashawn necessarily. It's just like those styles that each, what the player brings and what the team is trying to get out of their bigs just does not correlate. I still think Rashawn's going to be a fine player on a different team. It just needs to be a more of a pick and roll heavy team uh, to answer James question. I'll say yes, that I still think he's going to be here just because I think it's hard to move off. Um, it's 12, just over 12 million this next year. And the year after is 12.8 
of a player option that I'm sure he's going to be picking up. And I kind of think of it like the Buddy Heald situation. I guess Buddy was still playing and giving you some value, but it's a lot easier to move on that deal as a couple years come off of it. And I think that, you know, as you reach the deadline or as you reach next offseason, it'll be a lot easier to find a way to to move off of homes than it would be right now. So I'll say yes, I think he's going to be here, but not for a lack of trying. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how I would answer it. Like with a gun to my head, I'd probably say no. I don't think he'll be in Sacramento. Uh, but we're looking at a player that like two years ago averaged like 14 points, 8.3 rebounds, and like 1.6 blocks per game. It really is surprising to me that they weren't able to figure out ways to do pick and rolls because it's not like Shemezi Metu can run the the high screen and roll either. Like he can't do the DHOs like uh, like Demonis Sabonis can. I would have liked to have seen them try to make it work a little bit more, uh, and maybe it just won't, you know, ever. But at the same time, I remember Rashawn Holmes as like this incredible hustle player, the heart and the soul of the team for a couple of years. Then he gets paid. Then he gets injured, his eye issues, his personal issues, all that stuff kind of snowballed. Then you you bring in Demonis Sabonis, and he's just put out to pasture almost. And it really is tough because you don't want to waste all that cap space. And so I would, if I'm the Kings, I'm aggressively looking for him to not be on the roster and hoping that maybe some team is willing to listen for a couple of second round picks and taking his 25 million over the next two years and like clearing up the cap space. Because stretch provisioning him is is really difficult to do. Like, yeah, yeah, and I don't think they're yeah. going to do that at all. I, yeah. I, I would take that off the table. For example, if it gets to the point where, you, you know, to your point, like, is, is he going to be on the team or not? Well, yeah, certainly they'll they'll try to move him. They'll, they're not going to be stupid, though. They're not going to stretch provision him. They'll, they're more than happy to have him come back on the team and, and you know, maybe look ahead to the trade deadline in, in February or February. Yeah, February. Um, at that point but um, no I I don't see them doing anything like that it's not like this guy is a lost cause or anything like that he he could (laughs) you saw I mean he helped you win a game in LA this year uh, when when uh, when called upon so um, yeah and a stretch provision with him would be like it's it's twice the amount of years on the contract plus one year so basically five years you'd split up his 25 million bucks and you would have to pay him five million a year. Well, that only frees up seven million this year, seven million the next year in in salary, maybe closer to eight in year two. But then year three, four, and five, you're out five million bucks that you wouldn't have been out before. And so, really, like the payoff isn't really it's not there. And once you stretch him, you can't trade him. Like you can't trade like the mystical rights to him. That money's just now dead cap space and gone. And it's gone the whole time. Like there's nothing you can do years down the road. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be really tough, but maybe at, at the deadline, if you get to that point and then you can get him to take less money on the back end of his deal or something to, to buy him out, maybe the Kings would consider it. Um, but yeah, uh, it can be a little complicated with him. Um, have you guys, uh, have you guys been keeping up with all the playoff series? Clearly Sean, you're down in, uh, in, san francisco covering games and um but like what are your overall thoughts on what we're seeing here as we're getting closer and closer to the conference finals i liked all the game sixes man like these these series have been incredible i think the one that has really captured my imagination uh and attention more than than the warriors one was 
what's going on with Philly and Boston, having both the, you know, the road teams win twice in that, in that series is really, really awesome. I think um, Philly has left a huge opportunity. I think they just, you know, for all the talk about, Oh, James Harden's back. And he was an absolute zero factor in game six. So that series going back to Boston feels like it's just got a Celtics win all over it, but Philly's got to be confident, man. They've won there twice in this series alone. So um, that's been pretty, uh, pretty awesome to see. I, I think, uh, you know, as the Warriors and Lakers, I've been dead wrong about that series, man. I, I, I thought that <clears throat> I, I didn't think the Lakers were going to have, I didn't think the Warriors were going to have problems with the Lakers. I really didn't. I thought it'd be a five, six game series. thought there'd be some blowouts. It was kind of looking that way. I mean, both teams have been blown out um, in the series as it, as it is, but it hasn't been a, a captivating series. In fact, it's been rather unentertaining for the most part I felt. Uh, and I think a lot of it is not just what the warrior, what the Lakers are doing. I mean, when Anthony Davis is on, they win. Uh, it's kind of been the, the, <laughs> the the secret of their success when getting to the free throw line against a team like the Warriors who just doesn't get to the free throw line at all. So you're going to hear the, the term free throw disparity so much in that series. And um, Jordan Poole has continued to struggle and, and, you know, they've gone away from Kevon Looney for someone who's been so impactful against Demonis Sabonis. You can't guard Anthony Davis the same way. And Draymond Green has been really, really good. Um, so the, the Warriors have had their struggles, but I think majority of the struggles that they're uh, they're experiencing in this series with the Lakers are all self-inflicted. And I think, you know, there's a lot of residue left over from the King series. I mean, the fact that they're basically having to play every single, every other day, you're not seeing them sh- uh, shoot around. They, sh- they did shoot around this morning in LA before game six, but um, you know, they're not really having practices uh, they're just totally trying to take advantage of, of rest when they need it. Wiggins is questionable for game six with this this cartilage fracture in his ribs. I think he'll play, but um, he was incredible in game five. There's just so many things that go wrong for the the Warriors are so self-inflicted and really have nothing to do with what the Lakers are doing, but it's been a rather dud series, I think. Yep. Has not hit the way that I thought it would. Uh, maybe some moments here and there, but and I hate the free throw conversation. Like I get why. I don't mind the just fact of like keep guys off the line. But when it gets to like I don't know what a foul is and just all the all the BS of you know I never said anything like that that we hunt fouls and I, I can't do all the foul hunting conversation. That is too much for me. But I think the conference semis in general have been a blast. Like. I really enjoyed the Miami New York series because it's so different than the other ones. They those are two teams that and New York is a pretty good offense, but they do it in a sort of ugly way with like slow pace and offensive rebounds, very Thibodeau. And uh Miami's a a solid uh physical team as well. So I thought that series been really fun and I'm really disappointed that Denver Phoenix ended the way that it did. Like what an embarrassment for, for Phoenix for now that it's two years in a row that you got your ass kicked on your last game of the year in your home building. Like they're not going to be able to live that down until they prove it wrong next off season. But it's a shame because I, I think they've had two really good regular seasons that are just, this is all they're going to be known for now. I feel like they, they yeah. owed Al McCoy better and better than that. Uh, that was Al McCoy's last game, the longtime radio announcer. 51 years, man, with the organization. And uh, for them to go out like that, um, 
I, I'm wondering, like, after that 36-point game that, that Booker and Durant had both had, uh, two things came to mind. I'm like, where's Booker the rest of the way? Thought he was awful. Thought Cameron Payne was clearly their better guard uh, in that series. And I'm wondering why the hell Kevin Durant is shooting so many threes. And he actually says as much in his post-game press conference. I mean, Kevin Durant needs to get downhill. Kevin Durant needs to shoot over everybody. He doesn't need to be shooting threes so much. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a bit frustrating to watch Phoenix go out like that. But I also felt, man, there's teams that will step on your throat and, and go for the kill. Denver did that and then some. I mean, Denver, that was the best I'd seen the Nuggets look all year long. Uh, and, they were, I mean, they were really good, man. They were really good. Contavious Caldwell-Pope was so good uh, for what he's been in this series. Um, it, it just that team's ready. They, they look primed for a finals run. Yeah, I, I'm looking at that. Like, did we just all overlook Denver? Like, I, I think everyone has. Like, the whole season, everyone just overlooked them. You just assume that... Like they're they're nice, but they're nothing special, you know. And, and well, you know why that... you know why you feel that way is because of what happens in the playoffs. Oh, well, what were yep. they going to look? What are they going to look like against the Warriors? What are they going to look like against this team? You know, if they get into a series, that's why. Now it's just Jokic just dominating every single game, and it just doesn't matter. Like I, I, he's he's so fun to watch, and like if it's it is the Lakers that get past, like the Lakers are much. Uh, easier matchup in my in my opinion for the nuggets than uh than the warriors would be because i think the warriors are going to have the same they can do some of the same things they did to demonis sabonis um where uh, like who in the world on the on la is going to defend Jokic? like that's but to to that point james too the warriors will have the benefit of knowing what it looks like of beating. They, they already know what it looks like to beat the nuggets. They already know that they've got yeah. that, that kind of ownage in their head. Granted, Jamal Murray wasn't in Michael Porter jr. were not factors, but um, that's, that's what the, that, they'll have that confidence going in there knowing that they've already done it before doing it against the Lakers. It's same thing with the, with the, with what the Warriors are dealing with right now against Lakers. It's like they they haven't seen that before. Certainly they've seen LeBron James and they have the history in the postseason with LeBron James, but Anthony Davis, that's a whole nother ball game. And and playing against a lot of those big long players is a whole different discussion. And then you got a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who with the exception of like game five, uh, has been a factor in this series. And he's he's looking at to shove it up the ass of his former team. <laughs> <laughs> that exiled him to Minnesota. <laughs> I I think it's all like it's been a, a a fun run. Like again, like the Knicks Heat series is like two classic overachievers just like slapping each other. Like it it's all all of it's ugly, and then you're like, okay, well, it, it's but it's still entertaining. And then uh, like the uh, the other series is just like that's to me that's whoever wins the Philly Boston series is probably the NBA champ. Um, maybe I'm so crazy. There you, go, there you go, overlooking Denver again, right? Just overlook Denver, Denver again. <laughs> Forget Denver. What, what I wouldn't think that that we would have been talking about here in May is is when I went to go cover the Niners in Philadelphia in the NFC uh, in, in in that playoff series, NFC Championship, and uh, I the the day before I went to go see the 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 Celtics, the Celtics, the Sixers, and the uh, and the and the Nuggets, and that game where Embiid absolutely manhandled. Uh, the Nuggets and and uh, Nikola Jokic, and not knowing that that would be possibly a finals preview, 
And if that's going to be the final, sign me up right now. That would be a fun, fun series. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I will also shout out Stockton's own, I believe it is, Gabe Vincent, who has yes. been balling well, in this postseason. Yeah. Where's he from, Sean? He's yeah. from. He was born in Modesto, uh, went to high school at St. Mary's High School in Stockton, then became a Stockton King in the G League and got to play there. But uh, yeah, born in Modesto, kind of raised in Modesto, Stockton kid uh, in terms of basketball and high school and all that. But yeah, he's and he's probably got a payday on the horizon. He does. He's, he's also free the, agency. the one that Vlade, they took the picture with Vlade in his office and you can see his draft board, right? That was yeah. Gabe Vincent. Yeah, that was Gabe. Yeah, the Vladfather picture sitting right there, That's right, awesome. right next to the the draft order that the Kings had. Um, okay, well, let's wrap this thing up. Um, we're gonna keep going uh, throughout the summer. Uh, we'll we'll start hitting draft stuff pretty heavily. We'll start talking free agency and potential fits for the Kings. We'll talk about potential trade targets uh, because I think the Kings are going to be super active. Again, this offseason, uh, they got a lot of holes to fill in their roster. They know that, uh, but they're also building something and should be pretty interesting to see how they attack this this summer, whether they take another like gigantic hack or whether they just make tweaks. Uh, I think we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but let's get to uh, let's get to final thoughts. Um, Brendan, what do you got? Just nothing up there. I've yeah. been uh, playing new video games recently. Here we are. Having Uh-oh. a lot of fun with. What I are you playing? This uh, Jedi Survivor game that was phenomenal. And huh. today, a new Legend of Zelda game came out that I am extremely hyped for. What yeah. platform is that on? Is that on PS5? That is on the Switch, actually. But the Jedi game, I bet, is on your PS5, and that was a badass game. I want to. Okay, what's it called? Uh, Jedi Survivor. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, Star okay. Wars Jedi Survivor. My boys will probably get Zelda. When I mean, like grand... I grew up on Zelda, like Legend of Zelda with the the old Nintendo. Yeah. The NES, the the eighty five version. <laughs> no, <laughs> not eighty five. Like was I had 85? an I had an Atari twenty six hundred. No, it, that's old. That was yeah. That that was well before. And then I had a Commodore sixty four. I don't even know what that is. I Commodores are Lionel Richie band. I, I remember I had a NES. Lionel Richie, by the way, is the host of American Idol and yeah, a very yeah. <laughs> an American Idol and Say very good you. singer. There you go. Uh, I forgot where I was going. No, I, I I would like to see. I do need to get. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for them to them. I'm waiting for the new Grand Theft Auto, which has oh, always God. been a, a source of great. Been waiting joy. a decade, Sean. Yeah, it, it's awesome. Right? It's never gonna happen. It's, it's not going to happen. happen. Why? I mean, it's supposed to, but like I hear you can play for uh, GTA forever. Yeah, I hear you can in in, uh, in Call of Duty. You can play with Kevin Durant now. I oh. did see that. That is a thing. Yes. And Darren huh. Fox was not a fan of what's going on with Call of Duty right now. If you follow him on Twitter, he's in full off-season video game mode right now, and he's just throwing bombs at all the <laughs> at the Call of Duty franchise. Good old De'Aaron Fox and his love of of Call of Duty. Okay, Even as so a father. <laughs> are we are we done with our final? What do you, any other final thoughts, Brennan? Brennan's getting he got a new car. Did we what? Hold on, yeah. Hold on. What'd you get? I got a uh, fuel efficient car. A okay. I got a 
Hyundai Elantra. Huh. Something like basic. It? I do like it. Um, yeah, not many miles on it. Newer year and good price. So nice. I just wanted something that was good on gas and not ugly. And some people would disagree on the not ugly, but I think it looks fine. Who? I don't know, but I'm sure some people. Oh, okay. I thought you had somebody in your ear already telling you what a no. ugly mobile you have. No. It, it's a matter Sean of time. got me, like, he got me looking at the Envoy, uh, the mm-hmm. EV Envoy um, from Chevy. But then while I was there, I was No, like, no, the, the Equinox. The Equinox. Equinox. Yeah. Yeah, is it Equinox? Okay. Well, while I was looking at that, the new Blazer EV. Oof. Well, now you're into a different tax bracket, sir. Oof. Yeah, it's That's... a nice car, though. Uh, well, duh. <laughs> it's nice expensive. If it's expensive. Nice it's going to be fucking nice. Uh, <laughs> I, my final thoughts. Uh, well, I was going to ask you guys, we were talking so much about the playoffs, like uh, just because I'm around it so much right now, the Warriors have game six. They're trying to come back from a three, one deficit. Uh, the, the prospect of, of possibly seeing LeBron and Steph Curry in a game seven on Sunday is isn't lost on me and how cool that might be but uh how do you think this series ends up hmm i kind of think golden state's gonna pull it off wow and so just for the record for people who for people who don't you know they don't keep up with the warriors they did this once before in uh 2016 right against oklahoma city yeah they didn't win the they didn't win the title that year uh the Cavs got them but uh yeah they they i was there for all of that yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, hmm. So you I, both I think know. they're going to do it? No, I don't. Like, I, don't I, I hate betting against them, but I also, I look, there's some body language things that I've seen a couple of times where I just look at them, they're like, man, they really don't feel like a team that wants to hang out for the next month together. Like, like the road ahead, you can just see, like, it takes a, a want to be in it at this point you gotta like like to put up with stuff and to you know again you're down in the series and you could be looking at yourself like man i could be in like tahiti next week and not worrying about this and like what are the chances of winning a championship I, I don't know like but the 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 exit the season ending could culminate in a lot of culmination crumbling. yeah well it could it could there could be a lot of deterioration in the uh in the in the fran in the franchise as is this dynasty that they've built. So um, yeah, yeah, a, a, a hard reset button. Hard reset. I button. think the I think the I think the Lakers uh close it out tonight. That's just my feeling there. But um, there was I don't want to say an arrogance, but there's certainly a confidence around people who covered the the series both from. Uh, the Bay and LA who, you know, just, just felt that with the Warriors getting that win, that all of a sudden they're, they're going to be primed for a game seven on Sunday. Hmm. And I think Ar- it's a, not a much belief in the Lakers. <laughs> the arrogance of, uh, of like Warriors and Lakers media. Interesting. And the team, like that's something I've seen. Like I'm like, huh? Like all of this feels really strange. All of you just expect this. And I think, as someone who's covered the Kings forever, I just kind of expect them to lose all the time. So I, I think it's just like a different like perspective. Like you're like, all right, well, they lost again, but saw that coming. 
you know, like when you've covered it as long as we have. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're, uh, final- we're four days away from the lottery. Typically right now it'd be like, oh shit, like almost about to find out. Are they going to move up? I, I won't even probably, well, no, I'll watch it because I want to know where Victor's going. Um, yeah, because that could mean a lot for the Kings too, like where he yeah, ends well, up. Will the team that gets number one bring the like Wembenyama jersey already or, you know, will they do have any ki- like gimmick rocket. that just like tips their hand? <laughs> <laughs> just like pull on Wembenyama masks. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think that's what you do. You, you just like go full Victor right there. Like it's over. Uh, all right. Final thoughts for me. I just can't. I The water's got to warm up, but I'm ready to be on the lake. I'm just go do a cannonball right now. Just run out there. Time. It's cold, man. This is a lot of there's a lot of snow runoff, and it hasn't been warm until the last couple of days. So I got to get my garden planted. I got a bunch of stuff on the agenda. Got to get that bathroom put together. Someone else is doing that, though, right? Well, I'm doing it after after the showers, and I got to do the floor. I got to uh, install the toilet, install the vanity. You wonder why your back hurts? Yeah. Well, I have been walking. I've been starting my rehab. I've been out. I walked uh, three and a half miles today, three miles yesterday. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm fighting through, people. Got to fight that's through awesome. the back injuries. Uh, sweet. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this edition of the Kingsbeat Podcast. You guys don't have anything else, Brandon? You look like you have. No. No. I watched the hockey lottery the other day, just thinking the Sharks might get the first pick. I don't know why I watched that. I heard that like the guy getting picked is generational. This Bedard guy, and I was like, well, shit. I watched some hockey playoffs. And oh, that's way more fun, way more fun than I thought I would. I just randomly turned it on. I was like, man, this is a blast. It's uh, intense. Hockey playoffs are the best. Yeah. I just it's watched intense. the Oilers, and I'm pretty sure Connor McDavid, McDavid, I think that's the right name, yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah, um, yes, he is. And he was a blast to watch. So I was like, man, if the Sharks jump up, get this Bedard guy, I might be a full-on hockey fan. And it didn't happen, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Where you did don't... they get? What did they get? They got fourth. Bedard's going that's to Chicago. Bad, though. That's you know, no, that's all right. Thing. It's not enough to, you know, call me a couple well, years. There you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel Flores, Stockton boxer Gabriel Flores, is uh, back in his hometown this weekend, Saturday. So he'll be fighting uh, at Stockton Arena, where he headlined a couple years ago. He's not headlining oh. this fight because he actually suffered uh, two losses of his last three fights. But super, super young. This dude turned pro at like 16 years old. He's on top rank. Um, pretty inspirational story. He lost his mother when he was 12 in a drive-by shooting that still hasn't been solved. Cold case in Stockton. So, uh, Sean's going him, dark it, like James oh, does. Yeah, but his dad, his dad is his his trainer, and they live in Vegas now. And he's uh, one of the big rising stars in stock uh, in boxing, and he's out of Stockton. So, even the, they, they I mean, he's fought like four times in a year. Uh, so him having those two stumbles uh, in his last three fight, really not much of anything. Um, he's still on a nice track. So this would be a nice way to get him back up there with a win on uh, with a win on Saturday. What was his name? Gabriel Flores Jr. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Now you're all caught up on boxing <laughs> and hockey and everything else you needed to know. The A's still suck. No, that's true. <laughs> Caught you up there. It's over. That's all. I I, I caught you up. They, they're horrible. Uh, eight right. wins right now. Eight wins. May 12th. They have eight wins. Eight wins. Eight and what? 30 something? Uh, or do they have a 25% win percentage? I don't it's know. It's bad. They're on pace to win like 30 games. 
And you know what? If they just stay in Oakland, no one cares. That'll be great. Then then they can turn. They'll take that. They'll take that type of season to stay in Oakland, right? Yeah. What if? Uh, yeah. I mean, you would for sure. What if Vivek wanted to buy the A's? Because you know Vivek's been in on that the bid for what the is it the Senators? The uh, yeah. No, there's he's Ottawa, he's got the River right? Cats, the auto. Uh, I forget which team it is, but no, yeah, he's been there's... in the one that Ryan Reynolds just pulled out of. Like said, he's not going to continue to pursue. Um, no, Brendan, do you know he's... who Ryan Reynolds is? Yeah, Blake Lively, right? Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's his, his wife. wife. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Van Wilder. Van Wilder, yes. Um he's also in a movie called Waiting. You ever you ever see that one? About waiting tables? No. There's a lot of like new movies coming out where I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Like maybe I'll see that. And I know damn well I'm never gonna watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, oh, that's probably a good one. Oh, it was good. I saw that already. Yep. Uh, Casey Schmidt right. was in Sacramento watching Guardians of the Galaxy when he missed the call-up call initially to the Giants. Oh, he's really? Been setting the the world on fire with the Giants. Um, okay. You know, it is it a homer in his first uh, first at, uh, not his first at bat, but first game hit. He went yard last night in Arizona, hit it in the upper deck. Uh, pretty pretty nice first three games for him. And yeah, he was in Sacramento watching Guardians of the Galaxy uh, as a member of the River Cats, and he missed the call. So he, he had to, he wow. got a, he, fortunately he got the call uh, while the credits were rolling and found out he was getting the call up to the bigs. It's but did fun. he wait to see the two like shorts after the film ends? Oh, like spoiler every, alert. Like, well, no, it's always every, every uh, <laughs> Marvel movie. There's always two at the end. I don't know. I don't Even know. I may have gotten interrupted. Sean. Well, I look, I, to be honest, the last, uh, the last Marvel movie I watched was, uh, the first black Panther. I haven't seen the second one. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so fatigued with comic book movies. The only one I leave like the, the, a little bit of wiggle room for is like Batman. Cause I like all the Batman ones, but that's, come on, they just keep, I, I mean, how many bad Batmans have there been? Come on, come on. Val Kilmer was Batman. George Clooney was Batman. George Clooney, I thought, was the best Bruce Wayne, but a shitty Batman. No, that Michael, movie was Keaton. Awful. Michael Keaton was the best. Michael Keaton's the best. I, I mean, Ben Affleck. Dark Knight Rises been... was a great movie. Yeah, all, all the Christopher Nolan ones are great. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all messed up now. I mean, you have no idea who Batman is anymore. Rob Pattison. Those are great. I yeah. saw that one. I'm, I'll watch it again. I can't believe you watch these DC movies. Come on. Come on. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kingspeed podcast. Make sure to jump on board. Give us a thumbs up. If you don't mind, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the P- Kings beat, uh, go to the kingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber. So you can get an invite to the happy hour, which I believe will be next Thursday. Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. So for Box 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse Podcast. We'll see you very soon. I'm James Hamm from Kings Insider, ESPN 1320, Kings Beat.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.